All right, hello and welcome to Fleeting Science, the Fleet Science Center's podcast. I'm Steve Snyder, I'm the president and CEO, and today I'm joined by Paul and Ashanti, the team who gave us our brand new fabulous exhibition, Pause Play. We'll talk a little bit about the exhibition today, about how it was created, and all sorts of fun stuff like that. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, for all of you out there, a bunch of months ago, well, actually, probably a couple of years ago now, I, uh, I went to, out to a meeting out in New York. And uh, based on where this meeting was, I actually had the opportunity to drive by uh, and stop off and see uh, one of my childhood homes. So a home I lived in from the time I was about four years old till about 10. So about six years we lived there in New York. And so I thought it was excited to kind of go back and see what it looked like at the time. So I went back and I drove around the neighborhood and I pulled up and there was this house. And, you know, it was a, it was a great place. It had a, we had this, uh, this um, you know, really nice little neighborhood. We were not quite on the corner. Uh, lots of friends and kids in the neighborhood. Really great place. One of the things that was really great about the house, though, was that we had a hill out front. So the, the house would come up with these little columns and there's a hill that every winter turned into a great sledding hill, right? This incredible sledding hill. We get up to the top and we go zooming on down this thing. So I was surprised and stunned to drive up to the house and find out that the hill was gone. They clearly had taken the entire house, the higher rest of the house, and pushed it down into the ground to eliminate the hill. Because it wasn't a hill so much as it was a, a minor incline, hmm. right? A minor kind of slip, uh, you know, there. And, and, of course, the hill hadn't been removed. It's just that maybe I'd gotten a little bit bigger than sure. I was. But it's only my memory of that experience was very, very different than the reality. So, okay, well, I actually did that on my way back to the airport from the house. I actually stopped off the elementary school I went to, and, which was cool because I went back, and back behind it was the old playground that we used to play on every day at recess. And there were the slides and the swings, and there was even a seesaw. Uh, and I really remembered, you know, just like the hill, I had these memories of the, uh, of the playground. But what was cool about it is that when you think about it, is that playground being out there is that none of those things, the slide, the swings, the, the, the merry-go-round, were those things, right? The swings, every time we went out there, was a rocket ship, right? Mm -hmm. And the merry-go-round was our teleporter. And the slide was, again, this is where we became superheroes and went flying down the slide. We had taken these great playground equipment pieces and used our imaginations to make them so much more, so much more than just a slide or a merry-go-round or a swing set. And that's, uh, you know, it got to me thinking, got me thinking about that. Isn't that cool? There's something really amazing about childhood, amazing about that time where your imagination makes things more than they appear to be. And also realize that that's something that uh, science lets us do all the time, right? Let's just take these mundane things and see more than they just are, right? A slide isn't just a slide. A slide is a giant inclined plane that talks mm -hmm. about gravity and acceleration. A merry-go-round is the centrifugal force. It's, it's the Coriolis force in effect. All of these great playground toys really have these wonderful uh, extensions in science. Let us see them as more than they were. And so for all of you out there, I, I then came back from this trip. I said, oh, wasn't this cool? We ought to do an exhibit about that. And that's where I left it. <laughs> and then Achanti and Paul here took that wow. and actually made it into something yeah. from that vague sort of notion yeah. of this idea that, you know, these playground equipment always became something more. How can we use science to make these seemingly not mundane, but fun things more and recapture a little bit of that childhood wonder that we had mm -hmm. felt with that. So what we're going to talk a bit about today is that how the heck that happened. How from that rambling, <laughs> bambling story, uh, you all turned it into something, this really cool exhibition. So, uh, yeah. So how'd you do it, guys? <laughs> how did we do it? I think the funny part is I actually never heard that story until we opened <laughs> the exhibit. I had heard talk about the story, but I never heard the story. So I was like, oh, okay, that's, well, that's nice. <laughs> I, I mean, I remember it came up in a conversation in a very mundane sort of way, though. It was a budget meeting. 
and and Steve, you know, Steve is is like, hey, what do you think? You know, would you be interested in blah blah blah? And I'm like, you know, my naive, sure. Let's. It's like you know, let's put on a play. Let's build a playground, <laughs> and it kind of and it kind of went from there. Um, you know, and trying to integrate that idea that okay, then what what is our process? And and it was a trial and error process uh, all the way through, but it was one in which we really did try and explore that notion of. What kind of science twist? We had many conversations. And Shanti, you can talk about the sort of the brainstorming that we went through initially to get to that point where, okay, these are the things we want to do. Well, let's, let's take a step back there. So what, when you finally you know, create this and open up, so what, describe the exhibit. Let's, let's talk about give, give our, our, our podcast listeners, our fleetsters, <laughs> our, our fleetsters in the field, uh, an idea of what the exhibition actually ended up being. How did, what did it actually, what is it? What is pause play? What does it actually look like? It's not the bright and sunny playground of, <laughs> you know, your childhood. Um, it's kind of, I feel a little bit more like a darker, moody playground, of course, because we wanted to make a space for adults. Um, but there's still a lot of bright colors. And um, the merry-go-round, very intentionally, I wanted it to be green. Um, actually, I think I wanted it to be teal. And then, you know, it, it showed up red. And I was like, well, that's not happening. Um, the slide is huge and it's bright green. Um, and it just, these colors stand out against this black box space. And so there's a lot of light, um, colored light. And it's, it's, and it's big. It's enormous. Well, and it is its own environment. You kind of walk into the gallery having left behind Balboa Park or the other science galleries, and you're in an environment that you know you're in somewhere unique. Um, it has a particular look and feel about it. We try and add some sound to it so that you feel, you know, that you're in a place where you can be open and explore. Uh, one of the things I love about it uh, when you walk into and go into that gallery is is the scale. Things are, are, and it's funny, you know, Steve, you're talking about how things seem bigger when you were little. So we try to make things bigger. So to sort of recapture some of that, that slide is you have to, you have to bend your neck to look up to it um, and, and things like that. So there so. actually is a slide in the, in the building, right? You really created an indoor playground. We or took, yes. And not just an indoor yes. playground. Uh, you took an outdoor playground, put it indoors, and then mm -hmm. adult sized it. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Yeah, adult sized it and 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 adult scaped it, I yeah. guess, too. Like, Honey, I blew up the playground, and I didn't, like, blow it up, but it's a <laughs> giant scale now, which is a lot of fun. And and, and there are other elements to sort of uh, evoke the being outdoors. We have stylized trees. We have clouds that change colors. Um, so there's a little bit of, of technology in there and also creating an environment that visually is very interesting and hopefully people will want to share that you know we try and create those opportunities to share it with digital media and social media uh, as well so again you use a lot of uh, the kind of big player equipment so there's the slide you mentioned the merry-go-round merry-go-round uh, maze the maze uh the hopscotch oh and and sand boxes sand oh yeah the the pool there's ball a pit. bike there's, there's a, there's a the yeah, square there's wheeled a bike bike in a street yeah. Uh, it was, yeah, we tried to create some of the sort of the, the outdoor environment, whether it's uh, if you played in the street after dark, like when I was a kid and until the lights came on and they needed to go home, um, play hopscotch on the street or um, the, the ball pit is a, a great place to just sort of people come and chill in there, which I think is interesting. Just kind of hang out in the ball pit like yeah. it's a pool, yeah. which is fun. <laughs> So how do you take some of these big pieces, right? So you talk, talk about a slide, you talk about a slide or a ball pit or a merry-go-round and actually uh, use those and take them a step further, right, to actually mm -hmm. incorporate the science into this or, or bring out the science that may be part of the experience uh, and, mm -hmm. and bring it front and center. So how do you go about doing that? Well, it's, it's interesting. I never realized how much science we could find in one thing like the, the ball, uh, ball pit. 
you know, we talked everything about sphere packing. We talked about uh, uh, crowdsource estimations and the mathematics of that. Uh, so we tried to look and see what kind of what kernel could we pull out of there in that experience of the ball pit or the slide or the merry-go-round and just sort of like highlight the science that you can discover while engaged in that activity. So it was really an opportunity to begin to build on what you're doing. And hey, by the way, here's this awesome thing you can discover um, on the slide. It's it's your weight and the speed as you go down the slide. Does it change? And how does that change? And what can you do to affect it? Uh, so things like that. It's, it was kind of fun to explore those and sort of focus in on something we want to share with with the visitors. Well, so, so tell me a little bit. So the merry-go-round is a good example. Right? Mm -hmm. So so what do you do with the merry-go-round? So, Shandy, how do you hate you, to... Oh, man. <laughs> and I'm not a merry-go-round fan. I get motion sick. So I've, <laughs> I've sat in it once. Um, but you, we've got chairs bolted into our merry-go-round. And uh, we play a game of catch because uh, we're exploring the Coriolis effect. And we already have something in the museum that talks about Coriolis effect. So being able to experience it this way um, makes it feel a little bit different. It kind of puts it on a larger scale. So as you're spinning, um, one of our staff members in the exhibit is um, enticing you into a game of catch. So you're catching a ball and then throwing it to other uh, others who are sitting on the merry-go-round. And you're passing it. And this ball is just flying you know, left and right. And you're having to learn how to compensate um, which is, I think, the best part about it, is that you may not necessarily know what's really going on in the moment, but you're having to learn in the moment to compensate to catch this ball. And it's in that moment of compensation that you've really learned about the Coriolis effect. So, right, so you're sitting down on the slide, you're sitting, sorry, on the merry-go-round, you play this nice thing, a catch while you're still, everything works out mm -hmm. fine, we can pass it back and forth, and then we start getting you spinning. Yeah. Right? And as soon as we're spinning, everything goes wrong. Awry. Yeah. Everything goes yeah. wrong. All those rules, the science rules become different. Uh, all those things that we normally ex experience in the way you play catch or the way you would do is, is become something fundamentally different once this actually starts spinning. Yeah. So now that we're spinning, okay, now yeah. we got to figure out why, how do we respond mm -hmm. to this and kind of takes that merry-go-round experience uh, right. and it takes it a little bit different, a little bit different of a step. And what's nice is that we add some technology to that as well and we can share that people who aren't on the merry-go-round they can see we have a monitor and camera set up uh, overhead and um, looking straight on and you can see how the ball appears to curve as it's thrown from one person to the other. So it sort of helps reinforce that idea. Even if you're not participating, uh, a lot of people will put their children or they'll participate and then other people will watch. So we want to share that. So we use technology to sort of help visualize some of this information that people are, are getting uh, through engaging with the activity. Right. So I really love that notion, right? So as you're throwing that ball, and when it's, once you're spinning, that ball starts curving. It starts mm -hmm. doing yes. all sorts of things it shouldn't be doing. And yet, in reality... It's just a ball moving in a straight line. Yeah. But while you're on it, you would never you believe would never. that it's actually moving a straight line. It looks so completely bizarre. Yeah. Um, so it's that it's only been a lot of fun. So let's let's talk about some of the other um, other pieces that are in the exhibition. So what's what's a favorite? Is there a particular favorite you all have? Um, you go first. <laughs> my favorites are actually none of really the none of the interactive pieces. <laughs> I really love the clouds. Um, for me, the cloud, I think, sets, uh, sets a mood, especially here in San Diego. Like, when do we really have clouds? Ever. Uh, right? And then you see a cloud. What are those things? Yeah, what is the weather? The world is going to end. There's clouds outside. Um, so for me, that was really um, a environmental kind of element, um, and especially because they can change color. Um, so that was, that was a... That was, I think, a, a piece. But if I had to pick an area, um, I think I would pick the maze 
Mm. Um, I actually, so I live in, I live in South Park, North Park area. And so driving home or going to the grocery store, I'm always passing Morley Field. And I've spent countless days in Morley Field. And Morley Field was kind of a big inspiration for the entire environment, mm. really, the, the whole of the exhibit, mm. because it has a pool and it has um, a tennis courts. And um, so when we thought about this idea of the maze, it was kind of, I was just like thinking about it, like, how are we going to do this maze? And I love the idea of mazes. Do I actually love mazes? No. But a hedge maze would be amazing. But like, <laughs> how are we going to put hedges inside of the inside of the gallery? And um, not entirely sure. But um, and then I thought about tennis courts and how they have just this, you know, this privacy screen up around them. Anything could be happening, inside, and you can't really see through it. And I was like, well, we could make a maze out of of privacy screen, and we did. And it's a it's a big, you know, eight foot tall. It's a big it's a big maze, mm-hmm. and it's not huge per se. It's you. I mean, you're not going to get stuck in it for hours, but it is in size and uh, with the light piece in it, it is a, it is a tennis court and it is a maze. So I think that one's probably my favorite kind of space. Mm. Yeah, it's a cool space. And so and, and yeah. in that one in particular, you're looking at, you know, how you're taking again, we find our way through the maze, but you're looking at different strategies, right, to find right. your way through the maze, to kind of see what different ways right. work, how the different ways you can make your way yes. through a maze rather than just trying to hunt and peck, as it were. Right. Um, to figure out different ways that to, is to a, get That is a way, yeah. but there yeah. are other ways which we found out that well, you can get through a maze. And the math in the maze, I think, is really fascinating. And it's probably more fascinating to me now because I've spent time with uh, mathematicians, particularly topologists. So explaining to people and really thinking about this idea that um, one of the methods, the right hand rule, or the left-hand rule, whichever you choose, um, that you are mapping essentially the topology of the maze or this circle that's been kind of... And so the right-hand rule is is what? You put your right hand or your left Mm -hmm. hand, whichever you choose, on the wall, and you follow wherever it goes. And it may take you a long... Depending on the size of the maze, it could take you a long time to get through it, but you will always get out. Right, well, there's a, there is a kind of maze that won't let you out, but again, Ooh. for most normal mazes, maze right? Is that? There is, there's a there's uh, you have a, to have a detached wall or yes, something. Yes, there's a detached wall. Yeah, kind of maze that, yeah, that, our walls are all attached. Yes. Well, but again, but the idea keep yourself on there and, and from the entrance and all we go right. So there's a way yeah. to go through it and these different yeah. methodologies to do it to think about using a maze in a different way. So right. it's something mm-hmm. we see all the time, something we play with. But again, using science, math, uh, our brains, if you will, to take it a next step further, mm-hmm. which is really cool. So Paul, what about you? What's your what's your favorite? Well, actually, my favorite. Uh, you know, you mentioned topology mm-hmm. topography i love the ar sandbox that's mm-hmm. always been my my favorite as a child i had a thing about maps my bedroom i had maps on the wall my mother didn't know if i was going to run away or if i had some other notion of, of escape or something but to be able to take and in a 3d way build and create uh landscapes and see how a camera can read that and put down the uh elevation lines so you can create mountains and valleys and create sort of these these uh, landscapes. Um, first, I just love the immediacy of it. You build it and it immediately reads it and lays in the the, the, the topographical lines, uh, showing the elevation. And in this one, what we have, you can also add water. So then you can fill your your valleys um, or your depressions with water. And you can look at landscape and profiles of, of the environment and create your own environment. And I just love the tactile quality of it, the technology in it, and the scale of it too. You can really get, you sort of focus in on it. It's very, and it's also can be very sort of calming, and it's, it's sort of like Zen landscaping, but it's with technology. Yeah. <laughs> As you're digging through particulate, sure. Yeah. Right. So a lot of these obviously are designed or found from other places that are created. These kind of pieces, but certainly mm-hmm. I think one of the fun things that I've, I 
liked about the exhibition. And again, it's a small geeky thing, but I'm a small geeky guy. So there you go. <laughs> uh, makes perfect sense. Um, is in the, the pool, which is a ball pit, right? mm-hmm. a giant ball pit. Yes. So we initially oh, thought yes. the idea wouldn't it be great because people want to take pictures of themselves submerged in the balls. Let's create a window underneath mm-hmm. the pool, right? Where you could go in, one of the walls would be transparent, and you could put your face in completely surrounded by the balls, right? People don't actually do that, do they? Nope, not No, once. they don't. But something <laughs> cool happened, right? It didn't work. Yes. But something cool did something happen. Something did, very yeah. cool did happen that we noticed. Packing. We got to see spear packing, which again goes back, to, of course, to mathematics. But um, yeah. we, we, when you think about kind of within that space, of course, you know, everything's moving around and you didn't see it until you see it. And there they are just neatly packed and they've lined up and they all fit one into another. And it reminds me again of topography um, or I'm sorry. Yes. Topology. Sorry. Um <laughs> mix those two all, all the time but just you know the formation of crystals and how they have to build themselves but they build themselves very perfectly in order to pack into a very small and confined space and you see it right there there it is yeah it's this really cool thing so you take ten thousand mm-hmm. balls you throw them in a ball pit they're all randomly arranged it, it, right there's a lot of chaos happening right. there's all just kind of all no, yeah. no normal yeah. no no array it wasn't like they were stacked in any particular way and yet in this yeah. one space if you look down towards the side as soon as people start moving in it there's the balls naturally arrange themselves self-select they self-arrange yeah. they self-build into this natural clear array as if someone had literally stacked them all on their own right which is an amazing kind of thing a self-assembly is a a big concept that Mm -hmm. accidentally sort of happened here in the exhibition so it's wonderful to kind of see some of these unique things that no one planned on happening but sort of the extra added little bonuses that 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 come about and and when you start looking into it a little bit deeper because i i want to be able to add a little information on that um and was doing some research and how complex an idea it is and how there's a whole branch of mathematics devoted to that phenomenon, but to be able to see it in real time at a scale that you can actually visualize those balls are all random and then, but in this window, they are perfectly aligned, minimal space between each one. And it just, it, you know, order out of chaos, which appeals to me <laughs> so much. <laughs> My life needs more of that. That's right, absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, now obviously a playground, it's clearly for kids, right? No. No. Kids at heart. <laughs> yeah, I think that this idea of, you know, playgrounds are no longer accessible to adults unless you go after hours when everyone's gone. Because um, when as an adult, especially if you're an adult without children, uh, you can't go to a playground and not catch eyes from other adults who are like, what are you doing here? You're not allowed to be. This is for my kids. So it's kind of a, an opportunity for the adults to kind of let go a little bit and found oftentimes that the adults, especially in that space, almost have to be re-encouraged, especially when mm. there are children there, that it's okay for them to play too. Um, and it's okay for them to have these experiences. And um, as soon as you give them permission, they're like, okay. Um, or, you know, we have an adult night where there's no kids allowed. And then they're like, well, they're there. Um, but you have to give them permission again, just because of, you know, societal things. We've made a kind of a, a separation and it's not okay for you to play anymore. You've got adulting to do and a life to take care of. But it is okay, and you definitely should. Yeah, right. we tried to scale it so that adults, you know, you go on a slide, can I fit in the slide or can I fit in the merry So we did scale it uh, appropriately for adults as well yeah. as kids. So 
And design too. I mean, kids yeah. don't care about design. Like they play in cardboard boxes, you know, like it's a well-designed box. Um, adults really care about design. So color and texture and um, a lot of those elements that we wanted to include in the exhibit. Um, and we did that, I think, speaks more to the adult, um, though. It's really fun hearing kids as they run up to and they're like, no adults allowed. And I'm like, no, it says no adulting allowed. But you're not old enough to know what that means. yet. <laughs> um, so it's it's definitely an adult space. I say, well, you say that no adulting allowed, right? Yes. So, mm-hmm. so what do you mean by no adulting allowed? Well, you know, adulting are the things that consume your life. Like you've got to pay bills. You've got to go to work. You probably have to go to a parent-teacher conference tonight because uh, Tommy did something inappropriate at school. I don't know who Tommy is. But, um, so all of these things that consume your, your day-to-day that are the things that are now required of you because you have grown up and you are no longer a kid again. Someone's not caring for you. Um, and so in this space, we want you to set those things aside. Don't worry about them. And definitely, you know, get off your phone. It, whoever's on the other side, they're still going to be there, you know, after you spend some time in the exhibit and just enjoy it. Be a kid again or mm. remember what it was like to be a kid again when you didn't care about anything um, except for maybe getting home before your mom got upset. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Now, the exhibit has certainly proved fairly popular, right? In theory, it's, uh, it's, uh, yes, it's, supposed, it's... <laughs> it's supposed to close and, uh, and now we're extending it, right? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. It's uh, been very popular. Um, you know, we we are trying to take care of it, keep up with all of the little hands and feet and adult hands and feet yeah. going through it. We're extending it right now through uh, through the rest of the year, through the holidays. And we hope that everyone will be able to come and enjoy it, have a chance or bring your family. And if you have family in town over the holidays, bring them, bring too. too. Yeah. But we, we're real happy to be able to to keep it here for the rest of the year through January 1st. All right. So what do you hope people walk away for this exhibit with what's 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 the takeaway uh to realize that if you stop for just a moment and number one enjoy yourself and then number two really look at something you can actually maybe discover something about the world just in the moment of whatever you're doing that's for me mm. um i'm gonna um, ooh, i'm gonna go scientific here ready um, <laughs> okay hang on <laughs> so galileo galilee played essentially with inclined planes to explore um, mass and speed and friction ultimately, which of course is the slide. But he had to play. He had to, you know, let go of um, some of those restrictions that may have been put on him to make this great discovery that's had a huge impact on our life. So there's opportunities for you to explore and to play and to let go of those things. And in those moments you might Mm. make a discovery or you might have an epiphany and you might be inspired to do something great. So, you know, let go and play a little bit and come up with amazing things. That's, that's a wonderful, that's a wonderful kind of notion, right? That science is about play. It's playing Mm -hmm. with nature and and, and in playing, it reveals something about itself. So this is that opportunity for everyone to come on in with their kids, with their friends, with their partners, whoever it might be to, come on in have that experience of play reimagine re- uh, whether if you're if you're a kid to be able to take that uh, your play to the next level if you're mm-hmm. an adult to reimagine what that yes. play was like recapture that moment and hopefully discover something new about the world and so uh, yes we're looking forward to everyone seeing everybody down here at pause play it's extended now through january 5th 2020 uh some of our greatest playground activities giving them a specifically scientific twist it's included with admission 
So no extra charges or anything to come on down. This is the only place in the world that this exhibition is or will be. It is a completely one-of-the-kind, unique experience. Um, So, yes, we hope everyone comes down, takes advantage of this, uh, re-engages with some of their favorite pastimes, engages with their kids with some of their favorite pastimes, and just keep in mind there's only one rule. It's no adulting allowed, uh, and to come on in and have some uh, great time here at the fleet. So I want to thank you, Paul and Ashanti, for joining us today. I want to thank all of you for listening on this, uh, our fleet podcast. And we'll uh, see you here at the fleet. And and we won't listen to you, but you'll listen to us next time on the fleet (laughs) podcast. Thanks a lot. It's fleeting.